The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you to all our listeners for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're here with us, and um, it's uh, great to have you joining us. And today, as always, we have a wonderful program and a fantastic guest, so I know you're going to really uh, benefit a lot from what you hear today um, on our program. And also, I want to thank you for uh, posting on the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page, and thank you for uh, telling your friends and your recovery community and your spiritual community about us here on Spirit of Recovery. I love the opportunity to broadcast on the topic of recovery here on Unity Online Radio and also um, love the opportunity to bring you the guests and the topics that we do. Thank you so much again for uh, letting me hear from you, for your uh, emails, for again posting on our uh, Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. And it's great to know that what we're doing here is touching your heart. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community, and we have guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. They're people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And we're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. I know that you are aware that you can listen to us here on Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen through your computer You can listen through your smartphone, you can listen live, or you can listen uh, via archive. You can listen on demand. We've got lots of great archived programs at unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery. And I want you to know that spirit of recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction, If you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member or if you're the family member or friend of someone that's in recovery uh, or not in recovery, that they do have the disease of addiction, uh, whether or not they're in recovery or you're simply curious and just looking for information about the recovery process, you are welcome here. We welcome you to um, phone in with a comment or a question Uh, today. It's not a good day to email in because we're having some little technical problems with email, but if you've got a comment or question, feel free to call the number, um, 888-558-6489, and uh, with a comment or question for our guest on the topic. Um, But you're all welcome, and we're just very glad you're here. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor, also, I'm, an, I'm a person who has, in my own circle of love and friendship, many people that have the disease of addiction. And over 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And so my spiritual walk is an integration of the unity and recovery principles, and that does keep me growing in ever deeper and broader ways. So again, I'm really glad to have the opportunity to Uh, share these ideas about recovery, about spirituality with you, and also to hear what's happening for you on your spirituality and recovery walk. 
Today we are talking about following paths to healing. And my guest is Anna Hansen, MA. Anna is a psychotherapist and she's the owner of Future Focus Counseling and Consulting. And she also is the lead facilitator there and does a lot of work uh, in addition to the psychotherapy in terms of education and so forth on uh, the topic that we're going to be discussing today. She's also the former executive director of the National Association for Native American Children of Alcoholics, and she's a member of the Seashelt Nation. Anna Hansen is going to share with us today how addressing trauma as a collective and as individuals within a culture of healing is really the key to deep recovery. So welcome, Anna Hansen, to Spirit of Recovery. Hello, Anna, and hello to all the listeners. It's, it's just great to be here today with you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being my guest. I met you uh, in September uh, when you and uh, Grandmother Margaret, uh, who is a member of the Council of Elders, gave a wonderful workshop on healing historical trauma and how that is so uh, intertwined with uh, important recovery from addiction and um, from all different uh, kinds of ways that people are affected. And I'm so impressed and, and really value how the understanding of the, the whole person and how trauma affects the whole person and how real recovery has to do, you, you got to address everything. And so I'm just so grateful yes. that you're here today with us. Yeah, it's important. So let's start off, if you would, you were the executive director of NANACOA, which is the Native American Children of Alcoholics um, movement. Could you tell us about that and how that got started and what uh, what the the basic principles are of that approach? Uh, yes. In the 80s, we were invited uh, by NACOA, the uh, National Association for Children of Alcoholics, to attend a, a gathering uh, in, this, in the South. And so there was probably about 100 uh, Native folks from both U.S. and Canada that attended. And as we were interacting and listening to the speakers, and um, looking for ways to understand the alcoholism that's in our families and communities and also uh, within ourselves and understand it in terms of family and community, we, we found, uh, at least the indigenous folks found, that the discussion uh, would go so far and, uh, and then uh, not so much stop, but it would be altered and uh, the dialogue and talking about healing uh, would it reached a point where it seemed different in terms of how folks were looking at it. So those mm -hmm. 100 or so people gathered and we had a ceremony and we spent time in what is called a talking circle and uh, went for hours. And that, that already... Is shows sort of a difference in terms of looking at um, when something interferes in the balance of connection or way of life. And certainly alcohol had for every, each one of us there at that gathering that what we, we knew on a, a level without talking about it was that we needed to create a safe space together to talk about this uh, hard, hard topic, uh, alcoholism in the family, because mm -hmm. it was a story for many of us. And so within that talking circle, it's, it's a place that um, is a way for human beings to gather to do two things that are that all human beings, that are very necessary to all human beings, and those two things are to talk and to listen. And, and that's the beauty of that circle is every single person had a chance to speak and to at least begin to at the uh, 
least, it's not even an expectation, but it's just a way of understanding that when we're going to gather to talk uh, or gather to help one another, there are things on our heart and on our minds that need to come forth first. And in that talking circle, so much uh, occurred that came from the heart that was actually for the first time many of us an experience for the first time in such a large group to speak uh, so openly. And from that, what we figured out was we needed to do this together, uh, not just for ourselves, but for other nations. And uh, we're we're all like frontline workers in our different uh, communities. And we put together a uh, mission and a goal statement. We just all uh, sat down and... Everybody had a little task to do, and and that's actually how it the uh, association was born. Literally, was at a grassroots level that we needed to figure out a way that had a meaningful process for for indigenous folks to to gather, to talk, to share, to learn, and to and to help uh, one another heal and recover. And we needed to include concepts or ways of life that were within the cultures itself, um, within the many cultures that are within the the tribal groups or the nations. So um, altogether, I mean, we <laughs> it was quite stunning, um, amazing, and actually shocking because. Uh, it must have been a timely uh, happening because we ended up having thousands, something like it. Over the five, six years we were in existence, about 25, 26,000 people who ended up uh, being a part of the membership, which included indigenous folks from other parts of the world. And we were very small. There was like four of us in the office. It it was quite (laughs) exciting, but most of the time overwhelming. Um, But the main message was we're healing together, we need each other, we need to help one another, and there are ways when we look at our, our cultural ways uh, that help promote that walk of health and healing and recovery. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a short little snapshot of a, of a very big thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's all, 25 thousand or more people involved is is a, is amazing especially with four of you in the office that's that's really good so one thing you know i know that you've said that part of uh what was important or what is important about indigenous people uh gathering as part of recovery is to uh utilize uh the various ways that uh are wisdom ways that are part of the various cultures and also, so that's the common healing. Also, there is a common wound, which I know is is very painful to talk about. But but that is the the wound of um, the oppression and the genocide. And people, uh, as myself, that are part of the dominant culture, don't always grasp that and why that matters. Could you tell us a bit? And we'll certainly talk about this more um, today in our program. But why does why why does that matter so much to deal with the oppression and the genocide of indigenous people um, so that there can be real recovery? Uh, yes, that's so good to that you ask that because out of the uh, Nanakoa movement, one of the things, the messages and the understanding that came forth over and over and over was for each of the representatives from the different nations was was the horrific experience of massive loss that as people uh, were sobering up and as families were sobering up, that one of the things that happens certainly is that we connect with one another and we begin to tell our stories. And it's not just our individual stories, but it's it's our our collective stories as as nations, as um, 
as indigenous uh, families and communities. So as we were hearing all of these uh, losses, every one of us began to just see the absolute necessity of being able to tell and look at the story that's within each of our our tribal groups that had to do with genocide that that mm-hmm. had to do with with horrors that had happened and what we knew is historically within our classrooms and within the communities it really isn't wasn't then and isn't today a, a topic that people want to talk about. And however, it's so necessary because a part of the oppression and a part of, of understanding genocide is what came with oppression was, was this message this unbearable message that there was something wrong with us collectively, both individually and collectively, that there was something very wrong with Indian people. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that came from how things certainly were framed by the U.S. government. And there is a history with the government. Mm-hmm. And it's a true history. <laughs> and, yes, it we've, and we have we continue to have that history and a part of that history hasn't been good and a part of that history with with folks who came to this country looking for an, a new life a new way also wasn't good and what happened to me i mean from my perspective mm-hmm. as as a one who's tried to figure out ways to talk about this, is that when a whole group of people are looked at and not seen as human beings, it does a huge psychological, emotional, spiritual, and mental uh, havoc to one's person and to one's group. When one is not treated as a human being, one is not seen or heard or even noticed, that harms so deeply uh, at a level uh, inside that is, there. I don't know that there are words for it in English. Um, there are words in our language that have to do with disconnection, that have to do with being out of balance that have to do with an inability to see or being in a fog or walk, walking without, uh, like, the earth underneath their feet. Those are right. Thank hard, you for that. I'm hard way to interrupt yes. you right now because it's time yes. for our break, but that's an incredible, powerful image. We're going to be right back with that and continue this conversation. Stay with us, listeners, here on Spirit of Recovery. We'll be right back. Our goal at Unity Online Radio is to continue expanding our spiritual programming and growing our listening audience. To help us become an ever stronger voice in today's world, we ask for your support. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. We are all on the journey together, making sense of this life, finding our spirituality, growing and evolving. As we travel through this world, Unity Magazine is your resource for gaining a deeper understanding of life. Unity Magazine is on the forefront of spiritual discovery, with articles and features from leading authors, teachers, and philosophers. Stimulate your thinking and strengthen your spirituality with Unity Magazine. Sample a free trial issue or subscribe today at unitymagazine.org.
Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Spirit of Recovery. I'm glad that you're listening with us today. Our topic is Following Paths to Healing, and my guest is Anna Hansen, MA. Anna is a psychotherapist and the owner of the Future Focus Counseling and Consulting. She's the lead facilitator also for Future Focus and um, conducts very powerful workshops about the um, issue of intergenerational trauma and healing, recovery from alcoholism, from domestic violence, and uh, from all kinds of, of ways that we uh, can tend to shut ourselves uh, down and, and so forth. And her goal is always full recovery. Anna was the executive director of the National Association for the Native American Children of Alcoholics, and she is a member of the Seashelt Nation. And so... Um, we're just glad that she's with us today. Before I get back to my conversation with Anna, I'd like to invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute, an opportunity to relax, to uh, get in conscious contact with our higher power and allow ourselves to uh, feel that place deep inside where we do know that our higher power is very present with us. So I invite you to relax, to take a breath, to let that breath move all through your body and relax yourself, let your mind open, and share with me this constructive idea. I trust my higher power to heal all the injustices in my life. My authentic self is fully welcomed and loved. I trust my higher power to heal all the injustices in my life. My authentic self is fully welcomed and loved. Now we relax in the quiet. an opportunity for you to relax and to feel that presence of your higher power, loving you and supporting you as you fully express who you are. And so now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Anna Hansen, as we're talking about following paths to healing. We're talking about um, how it's important to address trauma as a collective and as individuals within a culture of healing. And Anna's talking with us today specifically about uh, the recovery movement within the indigenous communities of uh, the world and also about how that connects to healing for all people in recovery. So Anna, before our break, 
you were talking with us about um, how devastating it is as a culture um, to have been told and obviously had that enforced in a lot of brutal ways that there's just sort of something wrong with you um, as a culture and as individuals. And you were speaking about some important uh, imagery about in uh, indigenous language how that feels when when you've been told that. You talked about being in a fog and that type of thing. Uh, yes, that there really wasn't uh, words in the English language to capture the level of disconnection that occurs internally, the disconnection um, that then affects the connections outside of oneself. When one has experienced such the, uh, a horror of, of genocide, such as those of us who are First Nations people, to be targeted um, based on race, uh, to be targeted, uh, to be gotten rid of, to to be killed. That that's a very. Uh, how does one integrate that? Mm-hmm. And for you, it's been uh, because there was so much. Uh, wounding in families and our and our communities very hard hard to talk about it and very hard to try to wrap one's heart or mind around it uh, especially with the ongoing uh, having to fight for so many uh, rights uh, here in in the in North America whether it's with the government or with its with neighbors um, that now the things, you know, there's a, a little lessening of stress. Not that it's better. <laughs> there's a little mm-hmm. less stress. That now we can talk about what what is the impact on this our group as a, as human beings, and how does that impact us from an intergenerational level, and how does how do we pass on behaviors or ways of 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 how we view ourselves or uh, look at one another that are that then um, promote picking up that bottle to numb ourselves out or that drug to to disconnect again. So we've had to put words to experiences that uh, were very were very very harsh, and how I have described historical trauma um, that a part of what is so hard is that it really is not an inability to deal with trauma, but it really Mm -hmm. is a profound and human inability to integrate this unprecedented human brutality that ignored the value of human life, indigenous Mm -hmm. life here. Right. In the settler's mm-hmm. mission uh, to annihilate and take the land and the resources. In many ways, we still deal with that, and it and it it, it hurts the spirit and how one lives one's life very deeply. And mm-hmm. that's a part of how I see this uh, recovery today. Is how do we how do we put things into place? Where we can right. still speak about this this history, but speak about it in ways of learning ways to heal together. There isn't mm-hmm. any uh, elders or <clears throat> spiritual people who say we have to have revenge or be angry. Everyone speaks of such compassion that this is not a time of of blaming or shaming, or a time of guilting anyone, that this really is a time of, of us learning how to walk together as human beings and honor one another. And in order to, to learn those ways, we have to talk about the history. We have right. to talk about the, the racism that's, that's there, the uh, biases, we, and... and Push past ways to <clears throat> to grow one mm-hmm. another. 
Right. So and very how, important. Go ahead. <clears throat> yeah. What, um, and how is that going? What has developed? Again, this is a, a huge process for sure. Um, and what what's different today than maybe was different than, than when, for instance, the Native American Children of Alcoholics Association started. Has there been a forward movement in all of, of this in learning to walk together and in, in healing the trauma? What's different today? Well, I think one of the biggest differences is in the 70s and 80s when I went home to my family, uh, Seashell is up in British Columbia. And mm-hmm. how I got to the United States was my mother ran away from the residential school it's, uh, or boarding school. Uh, in mm-hmm. the Canada, it's called residential school. In the States, it's called boarding school. And this is when all the children, uh, native children, were taken away from their homes and put into boarding schools or residential schools to take the Indian out of them, to make them mm-hmm. into uh, to real citizens. Uh, real people, so that they wouldn't be heathens, and and um, and if that isn't the strongest message that there's something wrong with you, I don't know what is. Uh, right. And my mother was uh, one of the children that was taken. My grandmother, my aunties, uh, w- were taken. And mm-hmm. so, fourteen, she ran away and um, lived here in in the states, hid literally, in the United States. So I go back home. I don't know a lot of the story. I go back home to try to find out, you know, what, how is this, how do all of these things happen? So I'm, I'm sitting with elders. I'm sitting with aunties. Very, very hard for them to talk about these things. I got bits and pieces over the years. I'm still getting bits and pieces. Now, here's the difference today. I have a granddaughter who is 18 years old, and I, she is giving a talk on Thursday. This is all of her own uh, making, and has set up a, a meeting to talk about changing the name of the school mascot because it's mm-hmm. it downgrades it. It's racist uh, in. And she's having a lot of trouble uh, getting folks to understand what she's saying. But it's happening. So mm-hmm. the difference here is the young people are very aware about the dynamics of prejudice and bias. They know their history. Uh, my granddaughter said, well, Ta'a, which that's the word for for granny, Ta'a, I looked on the Internet. And uh, and then would come home and ask me questions, and I would work very hard to try to tell her the stories. And the lovely thing was, uh, she allowed me to have my feelings, and there were times when we cried together. And that was a different experience for me uh, initially, with going home and finding out the story of what happened to the Seashelf people in the 70s and 80s, and a very different story from my mother who tried to talk about it but couldn't because it was too uh, raw, too difficult, too hard. So things are happening, and so us older ones really have to kind of run to keep up with the younger ones so that they certainly have the head information and the heart information, but they also need the spiritual support, and they need to have the environment of ones who support them as they advocate for equity and equality and and promote voice, because they have to learn that they cannot do this alone. It really is a, a group that holds those individuals and creates that safe place, a place of safety. Did, did mm-hmm. I answer you? I just said a lot of words. Yes, there. absolutely, you did. No, it's wonderful. And I have a, a question. Uh, certainly, as a minister, one thing I'm always thinking about is how is it that we in commun- How can we be spiritual? How can we create spiritual communities that are effective? So, um, 
in a sense, uh, in another context, you're talking about that, about about living in community, about being community um, in, in profound ways that include uh, many things, but certainly the basis of it, I, this is my thought anyway, is it is spiritual. So how do you do that? How What are the spiritual outlooks or the practices or whatever that help uh, create real community that is a healing place for people to launch from and live their lives and, and have real creative and wonderful lives? What is it? Well, it, one of the things that that I I do let give you an example with my granddaughter is and the and the other kids. She happens to be the oldest one, so she gets a lot of the she gets a lot of the ta'a energy because she's the, the most verbal right now. And is is I I remind her on many many levels of of our teachings and Mm -hmm. the basic indigenous teachings some of them are very similar but we also have to remember that each of the tribal groups are 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 very also culturally different but some of the ways of understanding or ways of life there are similarities and um, I will speak with her specifically as a seashell woman because um, that's my role to pass that on to on the woman's side. So a part of what I will do with her is, you know, I bring her home. I I have her see and and be surrounded by the aunties, the uncles, uh, the grandmothers who who give her pieces of of the information that tell her who she is and where she belongs. And and that she has so much to offer, and that there are gifts that she carry. It comes from the people themselves that help name those gifts, and that a part of of indigenous teaching or our teaching is that when we're first created, that um, the creator. Uh, when he breathes life into you, you're you and the Creator are 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 one. Um, and in recovery, to me, that's a part of of what recovery means. It's it's recovering that oneness uh, with the Creator. And a lot of the teachings kind of uh, burst out from that understanding that have to do with balance, that that have to do with the uh, with responsibility, uh, of faith that have to do with joy, uh, that have to do with talking and listening, not only to self but also to to the world and to the earth. I mean, it, it's beautiful teachings and beautiful understandings that have to do with relationship, that have mm. to do with connection. When when we're addicted to something, we're disconnected. When when we're lost in that fog and we have no place to, we can't feel the earth under our foot, which means we're floating. We're not grounded. We're we're disconnected, which which counters a basic basic teaching of of the sacredness of 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 human beings. Mm-hmm. So on. Hundreds of different ways we remind the children, like this grandchild that I'm speaking of, about her sacredness, mm, that she is. Wow. You are. Mm-hmm. I am. There, there isn't even a question about it. It's, it's, it's a known. It's a, it's a form of knowledge that is uh, uh, rooted in, inside one's being. So we're required. Unfortunately, it's time for our break, but hold that thought. We'll be right back. <laughs> Listeners, stay with us. My guest is Anna Hansen. We're talking about following paths to healing. And uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet? And be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Allfree is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the rear. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. We're talking about following paths to healing. We're talking about the indigenous uh, community's approach to full recovery, which includes um, definitely dealing with the intergenerational trauma of oppression and genocide, which those um, uh, communities have been subjected to, as, as well as in how that ties into full recovery from addiction and um, all the things that go with it. My guest is Anna Hansen, MA. She's a psychotherapist, um, a facilitator, and the owner of Future Focus Counseling and Consulting, and she's the former executive director of the National Association for Native American Children of Alcoholics and a member of the Seashelt Nation, um, which is in British Columbia, I just learned. So, uh, Anna, before our break, we were, uh, you were talking about the importance of, again, of, of that connection and how, and balance and how that's such an important spiritual uh, concept and spiritual practice, really. Um, so could you tell us a little bit more about what balance means that comes out of this connection and community? Well, I'd like to invite you to look at, uh, in terms of understanding balance, that um, it, it is actually also a collective balance that a part of what is known is that for many of the tribal indigenous knowledge or indigenous knowing is that there was a uh, an understanding that indigenous people, it would be called prophecy or an understanding about what was going to happen, that there would be a very, very, uh, and they're said in different ways in different parts of the world, that there would be... A hard hardship, very hard, hard time, but that there would become a time of, of change. And collectively, as indigenous people, those of us in helping this time of change, uh, what our understanding is is that, um, that we're all in this together and that we're working together to create, help create, 
create a sense of balance. And the, the balance has to do with so much being out of balance. And so how it's, it's seen is that Indigenous people have to do their piece to sober up, get into recovery, learn, learn the teachings, walk, walk what's called the red road or walk the... Uh, it, it's said in different ways, but it has to do with the, your own teachings. And that a part of why Indigenous people are doing it, because it's also the other nations in the world who also have to do their work to help create balance. Uh, if the medicine wheel gets used a lot in, uh, as, as a, a teaching form or a way of understanding indigenous uh, uh, ways of life. And so I'm going to talk, I'm going to use that. It's, it's something mm-hmm. that comes from the people. But there's four colors that are on that uh, medicine wheel, the red, white, yellow, and black, and those represent the human family. So the basic collective teaching about balance has to do with those other uh, human beings also have to do the work in their families and communities for balance. The The invitation here is that Indigenous people are doing this piece, but we're doing this on behalf of all the human beings. It's not just for Indigenous people. It's, it's, this, it's what we're supposed to do as human beings is work on that together. So the balance has to do with balance in your physical life, your mental, emotional, spiritual life, your cultural, your social life. And and it means it, it, that you're you're alive in it. You're not numbed out in it. You're present to all those areas. You learn over and over how to take care of of self and for balance. Um, for instance, uh, just our family's just experienced a recent loss. The family uh, is out of balance right now. We acknowledge that. So we're careful. We walk tenderly. I, I walk slowly. I've, I've changed my, my um, appointments. Uh, I know my body is under great stress. My spirit is under great stress. I'm, I, I, this is the responsibility I have as, as a, one who honors life and is sacred that I just take that time to understand that there is a out of balance time right now that the fullness is impacted and it's supposed to be because I'm grieving so it's mm-hmm. it's it's not attaining something it's it's being present to what's occurring uh-huh that's beautiful yeah i love that you know one thing that you're talking about there about uh that really it's about all the nations all the people in the world um doing the work to live in the present moment, to not be numbed out, is uh, a thought that, um, and, and this was brought up in the workshop I attended uh, that you part led, is the idea that when people came from Europe, and my ancestors were among those, that they l- cut off from their uh, roots and often left really in great stress under some kind of duress one way or the other, and that that has had a big effect on um, the the numbness that can be in the dominant culture, so uh, and and that's important for people in dominant culture to deal with. And as I've dealt with that in my family, I've really seen that. How wow, it started way back, um, and different things carried through in the family in terms of uh, not paying attention to themselves, not paying attention to other people, and objectifying or making other people invisible. So there's a lot of work yes. that we all need to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that this, uh, from an indigenous perspective, uh, it, that this is the time that we must do this together. It isn't. It isn't just indigenous people understanding indigenous people. It's it really is understanding the human family, and and we mm-hmm. need uh, folks from other uh, families to to help. Uh, learn about indigenous people also. We're very, very invisible. You know, I live next to mm-hmm. uh, two, three reservations, and, and there are still people that I run into they will say, gee, I didn't know there was a reservation over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, or I, I or say, he, uh, uh, you, you're native? I'm, uh, those, that's a whole other conversation. But 
the the awareness here is we need folks to um, really be able to see one another and advocate for one another. And uh, the thing that I love within Indigenous recovery is is the talking about the human family and that we want that connection to be solid between the different representatives of, of, of the different races in the world, that we really have to open our eyes and see one another and cannot pretend that, that we're uh, all-powerful or have owned this segment of the world. We have a very small Mother Earth here. So how do we... How do we live here and take care of the earth and one another without further harming of of one another's spirit? It's a it's a big and important and valuable task, and and that's the beauty that I see coming out from the young ones that they they get that and they've got the energy for it, and so us older ones really need to help keep building that uh, that buffer around them to help them keep on this road in a in a in a good way in a in a way where they don't feel alone with this mhm mhm so for example in in the situation with your granddaughter there in her high school advocating for changing the mascot from something that is demeaning to indigenous people what would you hope to see or maybe it's already happening for her other classmates that uh, are not Native people, how could they support her in in accomplishing that goal? What would you hope from them? Well, one of the things that they're doing is that uh, that is so encouraging is first building awareness that that there was a lot there was a lack of awareness on many levels within within the school, the township, the city. Uh, around the impact of of um, stereotypes and racism in, in, in with mascots, and so then the next piece for her and her her uh, group is is to gain more knowledge and to share more knowledge, and so they're 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 creating a skills base on how to talk about this, how to how to understand. Um, stereotypes, how to understand uh, how they get created, and how that impacts people. I mean, there's a great dialogue coming out of this. And now what they're learning is, is like how to act on what they're learning and how to advocate for others. And, and this mm-hmm. is, is builds connection. It's, it's becoming competent around understanding different cultural viewpoints cultural ways of living in this world because there's such a strong monocultural way of of living uh, that excludes other other ways of knowledge other ways of experience something or how to talk or heal it's a very mono one-sided uh, viewpoint that gets promoted and uh, those young ones who are building awareness and gaining knowledge, learning skills, figuring out ways to act on what they're learning and building an advocacy uh, for others. Uh, That's what creates connection. So those are the things I'm I'm hoping come out of this as I and many others are supporting her. And that's what we as grown-ups need to do. It's the same process. It's ongoing. Mm -hmm. Yes, and we've just just really got a minute or two, but with that, within the recovery community, which often is a 12-step community, it's not always, there's more than the 12 steps, but um, how can um, non-Native people uh, be in recovery be a good part of supporting um, Indigenous people in recovery? Same things, awareness, knowledge, build some skills, and advocate. Mhm. Great. Really reach out and and hear that there are different ways and and expanding yeah. ways and and yeah. to to be in the, in the recovery community. Yeah. Large circle. Well, yes. Good. Any final word of wisdom that you'd like to share with us before we close today? I, I just want to say these words in my language. I want to say Onum Chalapsiaya. 
those are words that say thank you from the deepest part of my heart. And I called each of you and the listeners Siyaya, which means relatives. And that comes mm. from an indigenous way of looking, that we really are all relatives. So I'm just uh, thanking you and telling you my true name is Yetahalwit, given to me from my grandmother. And there literally were thousands named Yetahalwit. And so I onumshala chinsquishiaya chinsquish yetahoit. I just thank you. That's so what much. I and I gave you my name, telling you oh. who I am. Right, you're visible and connected. Thank you so much, my guest Anna oh. Hansen. Uh, thank you, thank you so much. Yes, you're welcome, listeners. Have a a wonderful week, and uh, we will be back here next week on Spirit of Recovery. God bless. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm. There is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child, trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio.
I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.